guys, it's Tiffany here from Tiffany Makes Music. Third year teachers think they know everything there is to know about teaching. That's something I remember hearing from one of the speakers at our student teaching orientation. Um, I hope that we don't come across that way. I don't think we do, but I just kind of want to intro this podcast with that sentiment in mind. And it's something Lee brings up at the end of this podcast episode is that we are all learning still. And especially in this season of teaching online for many of us or teaching in a hybrid fashion, it is very different and new, but even without the pandemic and all the changes that that has brought as teachers who are, uh, for me, I'm going into grad school, but as teachers going into their fourth years, they don't think they know everything, but they know they know more than they did before. So they're seeking new information and they are adding to their Uh, level of knowledge. So that's something I just want to think about as we go into today's episode. It's part two of the student teacher cohort. So you're going to hear from all five of us. It is the group of people I graduated with in music ed who all got our teaching licensures together. We student taught together, which means we got to really be a part of each other's stories So it is just really cool to hear what everyone's doing now. Last week, we talked a little bit more about uh, the job hunt and about student teaching, but this week we're really focusing in on teaching during a pandemic, as well as the positive side of teaching and the things that bring us joy in our classrooms. So I hope you enjoy. If you do, I would love it if you'd leave a review on Apple Podcasts that just helps bring more people uh, to this podcast. So if you feel so inclined, please leave a review. Without further ado, let's roll the recording. I kind of want to talk about COVID. I know it's not on here, but I feel like that's the that's the topic of the day. So can we talk a little bit about what teaching music looked like in the spring this past year, 2020, when COVID happened and none of us were expecting it? What did that look like in your classes? A scramble. Yeah, for sure. Scramble, create the online classes, develop the curriculum, try to get everyone online, deliver instruction, be available to answer questions. It was just a lot. Mm-hmm. Ours was a lot too, but we took kind of a different approach to it. With my school, what we did was, um, like in, in Virginia, what happened was the governor said, okay, you're gone for two weeks. And we all kind of figured that we wouldn't come back after those two mm-hmm. weeks. But our early on prediction in my school had been like, okay, we'll be back after spring break. That was kind of what we all had assumed. And then once that didn't so that was happen, about a month it was off, like, right? Like you were expecting about a month off and then like a month left afterwards, give or take. A month and a half, two months, yeah, roughly. And that just didn't end up happening. So what my school did was they gave as much support in the classroom as they could, but what resources, we would create your resource schedule. And we had a Google slide that we would do every week and we had our lessons divided either K2 or 3-5. They were 
intended to be just like enrichment. It wasn't really content based. It was more like get them doing, get them seeing our faces and know that we're there. So we would each week we would record a video for our K2, our 3.5, and then we would embed it into this slide and we would send it out through our PTA Facebook page. We would put it in every Google Classroom we could. We would just share it basically as far and wide mm -hmm. as we could. I also did a virtual talent show that was a pretty cool um, thing because I got some video submissions of things that I never could have done in person. Like I got kids doing like bike tricks and that's something that we never could have done in school. It was really tough, but we we found a way to make it work for us. And going forward, it's going to be very different. But we, we like Kevin said, we, we scrambled and we figured out what to make it work in that moment. Yeah. See, for my district, um, what ended up happening was... My district is a lower income urban district, so they scrambled a lot. And then turns out because of the way our district is set up, the majority of our kids don't have any internet or don't have parents at home to help them access the internet. So my district scrambled and came out with paper packets that mm. parents could come pick up at the school or could print out online if they had internet. And then they started to scramble to give kids laptops to turn things in online or iPads or basically anything. And once they gave out the laptops and the iPads, they realized, oh, man, these are useless without Internet. So then they had to provide the kids with hotspots and different Internet access so they could actually do these things online. So that's helping them better prepare for going into the school year because this school year 20 slash 21 is starting out virtual for my district, but it's at least giving them the edge up now that they've figured that out. Mm. But for the most part, my district scrambled hardcore and came out with paper packets. So that was really interesting considering the fact that when they started to turn in the packets, they still didn't know how transferable, transferable COVID was. So at that mm. point they were still thinking, man, if, I take this piece of paper from Cindy, and she has the COVID. Guess what? We touched the same piece of paper. Now I have the COVID. So that was fun, accepting paper packets. Oof. Yeah, my my district kind of did some of that stuff. The instruction I was talking about was like specific to our building and resource, but it was really a bizarre thing that they did with us. They did paper and secondary was all online because they were one-to-one -one and we were, elementary had paper packets. The thing that they found that's, that became really tough was the fact that we're such a large district in the terms of landmass, not necessarily mm. population. And that you had the struggle of in some areas that they just didn't have the broadband to support mm. online learning. And then you also dealt with the kids not having internet because of being in that lower socioeconomic bracket. So we we have like the widest range of like rural and urban and high and low as far as like economic backgrounds that made distance learning in the scramble a really kind of bizarre and inequitable mm, system. For sure, for sure. My experience is very similar to what Lee described. Um, they did distribute paper packets. And with that, they distributed free lunch. They also did free dinner, but they did this packet distribution mm -hmm. and they took attendance by who showed up to the bus stop. Now the packets were optional. The other option was to do the distance learning online and they distributed laptops to whoever needed it. Um, and they distributed hotspots to whoever needed it. And to their credit, you know, despite the gigantic learning curve 
for all of us, they actually did get on it very quickly. I mean, we had a full week after spring break where we were just waiting to see what would happen. And then the next week, they said something like, be ready, um, we're going to get started Friday. And that was our planning day, so to speak, where they gave us all this information um, about setting up your classroom, setting up your class roster, uh, how to give the assignments, um, and all of this stuff. So a lot of people spent, you know, 20, 30 hours over the weekend setting everything up so that this could all start on Monday. Wow. That, yeah, it sounds like you, you guys were very on top of things. I, I mean, as much as anyone could be, because the situation was so unpredictable, just the fact that scientists don't like scientists didn't know exactly what was happening. They couldn't nail down a lot of the facts that and a lot of the solutions and things that we needed politically and for school districts to have to come up with what is going to make school go on in the midst of this crisis. It, it, it's just nearly impossible to come up with something that is effective, efficient, equitable, safe. And I think we all did the best we could. And we learned a lot. I think there were a lot of things that we learned that we can do better when we go back to school. I'm actually going back next week. I'm in a district where we're doing face-to-face. Wow. Uh, the kids come back next Thursday, um, wow. come what may. Um, so the way my schedule's set up for this year, mm. as of right now, I'm doing a a combination of virtual teaching and face-to-face -face teaching. So I will have one day out of the week where I'll be teaching my virtual classes from home. The other four, I will be doing face-to-face -face at school. Now, are the virtual days, are those for, um, like, is it an option the families have or does everyone do it? How does that work? So the way it works is people who want to come in person can come in person. People who don't feel safe can mm -hmm. have distance learning facilitated by a faculty member at my school. Uh, mm. So if they're a first grader, there's one first grade teacher who takes care of all of the uh, virtual online. And then with the resource teachers, it was announced today that we'll have that one day and if possible, have the option to teach those days from home. Um, for the upper grades, third, fourth, fifth, um, I know with some of them, they have a hybrid where you'll teach the virtual kids in the morning and then the face-to-face -face kids in the afternoon. Tiffany, I think you touched on one really important thing earlier is that like what happened in the spring, and I try to explain this to people when they ask like what I think and what's going on is that the spring was crisis response. Exactly. Not true virtual learning. Mm -hmm. And regardless of whatever complaints or things happened in the spring that we didn't like, I, I commend really any administrator who had to be in that position mm -hmm. to make those decisions. Yeah. Cause I know it wasn't an easy one regardless of what it was, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't in any way call what happened in the spring distance learning as much as I would call it crisis response. Correct. Mm. I think for us in my school, we did. Okay. Let me start by saying that. <laughs> when we were leaving, I had no idea. All the kids were like, ah. bye, Miss Trevor, I'll see you in two weeks. I was like, what? Like, what was going on? Because apparently, yeah, I had I had no idea. There was this email that had just been oh sent, gosh. and I was in a meeting, yeah. and I did not see the email until after everybody left. 
and then that was it. <laughs> I thought they were being like sarcastic, like see you in two weeks. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, I am like, what the heck? <laughs> and so that was that. And I haven't seen them ever since. First couple of weeks for us were very much just, you know, surviving, just putting links and websites and just anything to keep the kids involved. And then after that, I think I became, well, let me also mention that my city has all the kids one-to-one with devices. And that started, I think, three years ago, it got to the elementary kids. So before that, it was like middle school and high schoolers had devices. And now all the way to every, I think every elementary student has devices now. So that wasn't an issue for us. It was just issue for us learning how to communicate with the kids and with the parents. Because I don't, I see the kids face to face, but I've never had to communicate with the parents really on a mass number. You know, I tell the parents like, hey, can you tell so-and-so's mom or so-and-so's dad or whatever can you pass this message out to you all your parents and so communicating with the parents on what the assignments were every week was I think one of my struggles figuring out each teacher was using a different platform we all use Schoology but each like the younger grades were doing seesaw or the older grades were doing something else and so just having to navigate through like oh these this one teacher does this and this other teacher does a different platform. And so even what I that made my lessons just highly more complicated of just coming up with the lessons where it compl- was complicated enough and now sending it out so that the kids could do it. And then in the beginning, it was just doing the lesson and hoping for the best. And then I think after our first month and it was like, okay, now you're required to ask them to submit something to you. And so it wasn't just the lesson it was like how am I going to get the kids to submit anything like a video or some type of response so I could see how many kids were participating Mm -hmm. and then going through those whatever it was was it Flipgrid or responses or you know that was it's time consuming because in the classroom you can see if all 30 some kids are doing the same thing but going from video to video or going from like each little quiz that just took a lot of time of course not any of my 500 kids were doing the lessons maybe 15 to 20 per grade level were doing the lessons and submitting videos and I think I had one faithful student who was stuck with me since the beginning he was awesome he was a third grader (laughs) it's that one kid that just keeps you alive keeps you going yeah very I did not expect this from him but he was just faithful since the beginning it was great uh oh, teaching recorder online was just awful oh my gosh I mean the kids forgot everything I ever You're taught a brave them soul to be <laughs> so, guys I thrived Ooh. in recorder online yes she did <laughs> I, I just had a great time teaching it now how many kids did it not totally sure at the elementary level I, I want to ask you guys about grades too and like did you have to first of all do all you have to do great, like give grades? Okay, Chris is saying no. Everyone else is saying yes. I don't give grades. It's <laughs> it's a it's a behavior. Mm-hmm. It's behavior based basically and participation based. So like they get a P or an F, okay. and it's all gotcha. based on their participation, their behavior. You know, mine is you know regular grades. Oh, interesting. Like A B mm-hmm. C D. Well, and then for going into the new school year. We now have to teach half an hour lessons to kindergartner, kindergartner over Zoom. 
And a lot of the resource teachers didn't mm-hmm. necessarily do that. Ours was a school by school basis. And now that we're going to start the next school year, my district has told me we have to do half an hour lessons with every grade level, kind of like we're teaching a regular day, but online. Mm-hmm. So it's so I'm interested now. how to. Yeah, so I'm very interested to see how my district handles the, you know, the crisis management. They handled it as good as they could with the, um, you know, not a lot of kids having internet and whatnot. But supposedly the district is now saying that they've bought enough devices for everybody in the district to have magically and that they're going to start sending those out. So I'm really interested to see how that goes this year. I think a lot of it's just we're rolling with the punches here. We try, our districts try, our schools try, and we do the best we can. I mean, we we know how to teach music, but do we know how to do it during a pandemic? You know, that's another that's another story. So. I'm definitely thankful for all the online programs. It's sometimes oh, yeah. I kind of when I was regularly regular teaching, like a regular teacher, <laughs> um, I kind of like I was scared to start a couple of those online programs to the kids because I was, um, you know, supposed to like integrate technology, and so a couple maybe the older kids would do mm-hmm. um, will do like a couple of games and something like that. But this was just next level. This was just like, okay, everybody's doing this. And I was just so thankful that a lot of the programs um, made um, like free subscriptions or opened them up to just anybody. And that made coming up with lessons um, even possible, you know, because when you don't have any resources, you just have to make up your own things. It is really difficult and so I was just really, really thankful for, like, things like music play online, or yeah. there's all that's, there's so many, like, yeah, I Pinterest, like, lots of websites. There's some websites that I don't know who made, but they were just, like, I don't think everybody, anybody knows about them. But they're just very unique <laughs> games <laughs> online that, you know, especially that is goes with whatever you were teaching in your classroom. So mm-hmm. I was very Flipgrid. I love those. Yeah. I mean, this is the first time I used smart music because I had never wanted to pay for it before because I hadn't ever tried it. And I didn't know if it would go well or if it would feel like I just threw all this money at something out of my band budget. It proved to be useful. And it, it was nice that all those companies were able to help out by giving free. Now, I know I know the concern now is I'm not sure which companies are are charging and if any are still doing free but I've heard I've seen people on Facebook say what are we going to do now <laughs> that we become reliant on so many online you know subscription based programs so it's just it's going to be interesting to see how that market changes and I love all the Facebook groups they have been just wonderful mm-hmm. I love everybody that like, just shares such rich information and resources yeah and I think this the support giving each other support and looking through those different things like music play online is essentially just one big collaboration it's overseen by Denise Gagne but there's a whole lot of other things that go into that and all these Facebook groups and whatever it is that you're using whether it's one of those subscription services or yeah. not it's Facebook alone and Twitter, you can get a wealth of information from. So much out there. So I do want to wrap up with a nice positive story at the end of our 
COVID-19 chat, which is, you know, not ideal. There's a, I know that there's a lot of moments that are draining when you're a teacher. There's a lot of interactions that aren't what you want them to be. But then there are also those like really life-giving moments and those moments where a student inspires you or their enthusiasm just gives you some fuel to do the next thing. So share one positive moment or story from teaching. This last year, um, my kids sang the national anthem at a hockey game. It was super cool because I remember growing up and going to those things where like you played or sang the national anthem at the Tides game or at high school football games. And getting to bring fourth and fifth graders to go do that was a blast. Watching them just have fun at the game outside of school and like seeing their parents and like I just kind of like hung out with my principal and the kids and it was just a really great fun night and we remember just looking at each other saying we're we're making memories tonight that these kids are going to take with them for a long time and it's you think back to those experiences you have a kid as a kid and you never really think about being the person who gives that to someone else so that was really um a highlight especially when you think of everything that mm-hmm. happened last year and all like the covid craziness that we just finished talking yeah, about for sure to have that be as like something positive that happened before all i that. think that was my last performance too i took the kids to the hockey game to sing the national anthem so i'm glad i completely forgot <laughs> thanks for bringing that up chris <laughs> i think you went early i think i saw you, you brought the kids and i was like oh i'm t- taking my kids to see to do that too it was a really great experience i was so proud of them i was really proud of my chorus kids this year they were a bunch of rowdy kids they're the craziest kids but like behind stage like behind the curtain as soon as you put them on stage they got so nervous and so shy (laughs) it was the weirdest thing ever I'm like you never shut up why are you quiet and shy now they they were just actually like talented singers and talented little musicians and I I want to think it was just like years of my teaching and you know from and starting them when they were you know, I don't know, younger and first or second grade or whatever. And now just seeing them like, wow, like these are the kids I like, you know, started when they were little and now they can do this and they can like sing in tune and listen to each other and put on a good production and and have a good concert. And I I think that was quite um, just fulfilling for me and satisfying and very proud of that. I think my um, my big moment kind of happened my first year and then also this year kind of i had this one kid in my chorus who beautiful voice i thought he had perfect pitch like he could basically sing anything i sang to him back and had no issues however he loved to talk all the time and had such a lovely attitude (laughs) so um in my district, we have this thing called All City where, you know, All City Chorus to where you pull a few kids from each schools and get them to sing a citywide chorus. So he was very excited for it. However, he did not make it in. And I had to describe to him it was because of his behavior and not because of his talent. And he really struggled with that for the rest of the year. But after that, he kind of got his act together. And I said, you know, you're really talented, but the reason I can't take you is because you're going to be a distraction. And I watched him flip the switch that year, and he completely changed everything. And then he always Mm. told me, he was like, no, I'm not a good singer. No, I'm not going to do this. 
switch back to this year, um, three years into my teaching, um, I took my second and fourth graders to a concert at the middle school, and I saw him up there in the chorus, singing up there, and he looks at me, and he waves, and he told me all, he told me all year, he's like, I'm not gonna sing past this, no, no, no. I was like, okay, like, you, you know, you're very talented. Even if you sing at home, I'll be grateful. So he ended up joining chorus in middle school and, you know, waved at me and, you know, like, he remembered. So, I mean, that made me, like, realize we have more of an impact than what we think. And even out of, you know, if you have one kid out of the 500 that you teach in that year that goes on to do something musical, then it makes it worth it. Mm. That's so powerful. Um, just that I think any moment that you can you can make a student realize that they have control over something, they have some skin in the game in terms of their opportunities. Because that, you know, kids that are very talented sometimes just think that life is going to be handed to them in terms of that thing, whatever that thing is, whether it's singing or you know, academics or sports, but yeah, you, you just taught him a really important lesson there. Yeah. He kind of learned the hard way and he, in a way he kind of needed it. And after Mm -hmm. that, he kind of switched his act and got it together. And the chorus teacher over there says he's still a little talkative, but it definitely doesn't distract as much. So (laughs) I did some, made some progress. Shirley is currently freaking out because Chris just, uh, grabbed his cat he is and it's so a very cute. I was just trying to get him to be. I was just trying to get him to be quiet. He was making so much noise. Oh my god! And you can't control that. Is cats. the most adorable cat no. ever. Yeah. I want to get a cat so bad. I dreamed with a cat yesterday. You did what? Yesterday? I'm like, I had a dream with a cat yesterday. Oh. I'm like, it's time. It's time it's to get a cat. <laughs> that is the cutest cat ever, Chris. Hey, it's. It's like a regular Zoom meeting. Who did have a Zoom meeting with the animal? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, every week, every time, there was always a guest appearance from cats, dogs. There was a hamster that made several appearances. That's great. Yes. Yeah, I didn't let my dogs make their guest appearance. You may have heard them in the background. <laughs> One of my positive stories is that I had some challenges my first year with just excitement level in the jazz band area, um, honestly, for the first two years, because of just like director, director turnover reasons, like they just kept getting new band directors until, you know, now things are a little more stable, and that's helping the program. And it's good. But I think the kids felt like they had a little bit of whiplash. And they were discouraged about waking up before school to come to Zero Bell Jazz. It, it, you know, it was, it was just a difficult thing to get their morale up. But this past year was honestly just incredible with the morale in jazz. And it was such a turn of, just such a turnaround because they, they just started to feel like this is, this is our group and this is our thing. And they got closer to one another and it was just really cool to watch. So I will note, it is an entirely different group than was in there the first two years. I, and that, that's sad in some sense that the, set, the first group didn't really ever recover and they kind of lost their, their fire or their interest, I guess. I think they still are interested in jazz, but it's just that 
their expectations for what it was going to look like at school changed. But the new group I got started out young just was 100% in it. So that's just really cool to see. A good turnaround, if you will. Yeah. Uh, my uh, best experience that I guess I can go back to was in that very first year as well. Um, that final end of year concert for the strings. Mm. Um, now, the schools where I teach, we don't do elementary strings like uh, you do in uh, Norfolk or Virginia Beach. It's just not part of the curriculum. There's no time set aside for it. There are no um, itinerant strings teachers. It's just if you have strings, it's either because you're at the Arts Magnet Elementary, the, the one or two that do it, or because uh, you choose to do it as part of the after school program. So there was absolutely no background in it at this school. So I was coming in fresh, getting the instruments, organizing the supplies, making sure people showed up to class because again, it's not set up for it. Um, so sometimes they might decide, oh, I think I'd rather go to PE today. Mm. And you know, you just don't know where they are. And you know, they did their end of year concert for their classmates and it went really well and they were happy. Um, you know, they were, of course, really nervous beforehand, but, you know, it's just sort of like everything all came together and I feel like they did something that they could yeah, feel proud awesome. of. Yeah, that's awesome. That's one thing about teaching music that is so, like, natural for us to create that I think in other disciplines it's it's not necessarily as much as that we have well, it's project-based learning. We have this product to present at the end of a unit or a um, quarter or, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be, that that performance is so gratifying for you as the teacher and for your students. Uh, and that's just one of the things I think that makes music ed really special. And it's good. We got to keep it in schools. Yeah. <laughs> We've got yeah. to. Yeah, it's always yeah. teaching with the with the end in mind. It's yeah. it's never it's never you don't just do something at the beginning for no reason. Like you're mm -hmm. always think you're always teaching from the end and thinking about what you have to do to get there. And like mm -hmm. you said, um, that's what a lot of teachers strive to do in their instructions. And it can be kind of a foreign concept to a lot of teachers and a lot of subjects. But in music, it's just kind of ingrained in what we do mm -hmm. you can't really do it any other way i mean you could but you'd be wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i think that about wraps it up Ooh. yay thank you guys for coming on this was a lot of fun just to catch up i think it, it it's very interesting we're all very much in our field now we're not kind of like in that early like hey being hazed phase <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I always still feel like I'm new, but yeah. I think that's just me. I feel like there's, there's, I'm always learning new things. Definitely. I feel and that it too. Feels, you know, I feel confident, but at the same time, it's like, ah. <laughs> We're yeah. all new this year. There's still more to go. Yeah. Yeah. This year, especially. Yeah. But I think that's a good mindset is that we, we've got every year you have like a new level of knowledge and a new level of information that you know. And uh, just being open to what you don't know is always super important. And on that note, thank you guys for coming on. This was so super fun. Woo. <laughs> Yay. Woo. Miss you guys.